Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. This week, back by popular demand, we have Dan Blondel, who's CEO of Nano One. If you are a uh, Armchair Trader premium subscriber, you may know that uh, you can actually suggest guests for the podcast and also put forward questions to be asked of these guests as well. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you uh, subscribe to the Armchair Trader Plus channel one of the a number of uh, privileges that exist for you there um, and some of you have been asking us to get Dan back on the podcast and so here he is welcome to the show Dan Stuart great to be here again so uh, Nano One is a company we've been covering it for quite some time now can you give us a quick summary of of the business as it stands at the moment yeah sure um, so Nano One is a word technology company processed uh, we're developing process technology to improve the way that lithium-ion battery cathode materials are made. And at the end of the day, it's a, um, it's a novel technology that allows us to uh, improve the, well, to drive down complexity, cost, and an environmental footprint of making cathode materials for lithium-ion batteries. It's all based on what we call our one-pot process, and it uh, that uh, allows us to use an alternative alternative sources of lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, uh, iron, phosphorus as input materials. And that uh, that's one of the places where we can actually make a big difference on the environmental footprint. And, and then uh, by combining everything into this one pot, we're able to uh, drive down the complexity in the process itself. And uh, that in turn, the combination of all that uh, drives down the cost. Uh, the, the technology is applicable to a wide range of different cathode materials, lithium iron phosphate, the nickel-based materials, the manganese-based materials, and all of those are applicable to a wide range of different kind of lithium ion batteries for anywhere from electric vehicle batteries to consumer electronics, power tools, uh, renewable energy storage batteries. Up until this point, I guess your USP has been the fact that you have these this patented technology um, which has the potential um, to help manufacturers build batteries that are more energy efficient can potentially increase the range and also um, the range and the life of the batteries but also uh, last time you were on the podcast we were talking about how the company was going to be working with um, potentially the the mining sector to assist in the development of sustainable supply chains which was which was an area of focus for you because we we put together these kind of constituents the raw materials the lithium and the nickel and the magnets together in in a different way we're able to use um, raw material inputs um, from slightly different sources so still lithium and nickel but um, uh, not necessarily in the forms that industry is using it today and that allows us to uh, to work with, a, I think, a wider range of input materials and at the end of the day, eliminate some of the, um, the sort of chemical footprint or the environmental footprint that's associated with those materials. And that's uh, it's become a very a big part of, of the value proposition for us, particularly really since the, 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 uh, we've just seen such a wide, um, a wide level of interest in, in reducing environmental footprint. It's just kind of part of the whole ESG message. You were working with uh, Johnson Matthey and... Um... Johnson Matthey, the strategic decision to get out of the, the battery space, and that actually seems to have created a, an opportunity for Nano One. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, look, we it was a bit of a shock when it came um, uh, November eleventh last year. I remember the date very well, actually. Um, it was a bit of a shock, but at the same time, we, we immediately saw it as an opportunity um, um, in in many regards. So the work we were doing with Johnson Matthey uh, and 
and and it didn't end on November 11th. We you know we kept working with them through the year until until very recently actually was on the ELNO uh, um, materials that they were making in or they were they were planning to make in uh, in Europe and their uh, that special brand of of cathode materials uh, we were we were working with them to make those materials with our process with our one pot process. But the, the opportunity that really kind of arose out of Johnson Matthews leaving the business was, there, was an entirely different part of their uh, battery business, the LFP, the LFP um, work that they were doing in Candiac, Quebec, uh, in eastern Canada. And the, the opportunity there is that it's a, it's a small plant, uh, roughly with 40-plus people, and we saw an opportunity to acquire 40-plus uh, experienced people who've been in the business for 10 to between 10 and 15 years. Um, this this a fairly large, these 40 people. So there's a tremendous amount of know-how and experience and um, uh, in not only in, in manufacturing of cathode materials, but also in the scale-up. Many of these people are involved pre-commercial in this, in this plant. So they help build the plant, design it, um, um, demonstrate the technology and then bring it to commercial market and then run it for the last 10 years. So that, uh, that know-how is, is, well, it's, it's, it's invaluable. It just, you, you can only get it with, you know, 10, 20 years of experience. And so that's, that's a big reason why we uh, were able to, so why we were very interested in it and, and were able, eventually able to, to obviously acquire it. And uh, that's, uh, that's been a, a big part of why we, uh, you know, how we were able to turn, you know, a, a relatively shocking moment into something that is uh, very beneficial to Nano One. Previously, you were working, and I, and I presume still are working, with a number of partners, some of whom you've been able to talk about, some of whom you're not able to talk about, um, but I get the impression they're fairly big, and you were offering them access to effectively your proprietary technology. This seems like a, a like a sort of almost like a gear change for the company in that you are actually scaling up quite considerably you know in your own right i understand that you know people will kind of see it that way we 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 see the opportunities uh, the business opportunities and and our business strategy is kind of it's kind of wide-ranging in in some cases it will make sense for us to license our technology to potential partners in some cases we may joint venture and 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 i think there's an opportunity here particularly uh, with lithium iron phosphate to put a, a, a relatively large demonstration facility in place to demonstrate our one pot technology being used to make lithium iron phosphate in a small commercial way at, at, at a start. It's kind of a springboard to, to larger events, but it allows us to demonstrate the technology here. So licensing is still very much a, um, a, a an opportunity here, but we're, we're putting a credible scale demonstration facility in place that will uh, we believe will eventually generate revenues for us and uh, but at the same time it demonstrates the technology for the large automotive companies that we can actually drive at that scale so so really the opportunity for licensing and joint ventures still very much exists uh, we have a very large call it a very large pilot or demonstration facility that that really proves and de-risks the technology in the eyes of our potential partners but at the same time, it gives us that option to, to scale up even larger uh, for production purposes. And it will vary depending on the chemistry. So lithium iron phosphate the, the, is, is going to be a different opportunity than the nickel-based or the manganese-based materials. And ultimately, the, the pilot and the equipment and the facilities and the know-how uh, that we've developed are multi-platform. So we can switch 
to nickel-based or manganese-based materials. So as we prove out the technology here, we'll be ramping up the other the other chemistries, and we can we can switch them out. It's not a it's not an overnight thing. You can't uh, can't do it uh, uh, as quick as that. But uh, all of the equipment and all the underlying principles of the one pot process are transferable to all these other materials. And is it possible if you if the right partner came along, you can actually scale up that facility, or would you be just looking to them to basically build a bigger model in their own backyard? So the the facility itself um, um, is going to be restricted by the size of the you know equipment that's there. We believe that. Uh, well, we know we know that we're a we're a more efficient process. We have less footprint. We don't have to use as much of the equipment as uh, as they are currently using at that facility. We can probably drive greater volumes out of that uh, out of that facility. But it, it's it's not big enough to let's say you know um, to uh, uh, to feed the automotive industry. It's a uh, it's a it's a modestly sized plant. But the land itself has room to expand. You know, the plant sits on about a tenth of the land, and and so there's quite a bit of opportunity here to build um, a larger facility um, that can demonstrate at a automotive scale, for instance. And um, certainly, our plans are to to get to a point where we 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 uh, are able to demonstrate it at that kind of a scale, it's roughly four to five times the size of what is currently being made uh, at Candiac. And the land, uh, there's certainly um, space on the land to build a facility like that. And that would then become a, let's call it like a, like a, like a, a blueprint for a larger scale plants that might have many production lines in them. And so, so a, 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 an automotive line would need to have, uh, an automotive factory might need to have 10 different lines in it. And we can't fit that on the land there. We would actually be doing that obviously in conjunction with an automotive partner if we get to that stage. But the the ability to expand there allows us to prove that we can get to that automotive scale um, uh, comfortably. And um, that's certainly our intent. Literally, uh, I think it was yesterday, um, the, you, you announced some potentially even bigger news, which was uh, an investment from Rio Tinto and a partnership with Rio Tinto, which is obviously a very large name in the mining space. Uh, can you give us a little bit more detail on, on how that's going to work in practice? Yeah, so so the uh, there's a $10 million US investment that comes with this agreement and uh, and a collaboration agreement to work with their technology center. It's actually kind of, it, it's it's multifaceted. It's, come, it's in different places of the world, but most of it's going to come here in Quebec, where uh, they have a very large um, iron and titanium uh, facility uh, just north of Montreal, only about an hour north of Montreal, so very close to the to the uh, facility at Candiac, and the uh, the team there um, is, is 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 very innovative. Um, they work on a lot of critical critical minerals. So they they just cracked a, a big um, uh, a big problem on the scandium side of things, and are going to be ramping up uh, ramping ramping up a, a, a scandium kind of critical minerals strategy. They're they're working on course iron they they make uh, they're one of the world's largest iron powder producers those iron powders potentially could be part of our lithium iron phosphate uh, feedstock so we'll be working with them on on uh, evaluating those powders for use in in, in our one pot process in candiac so uh, there's a really natural thing there and then of course of course they've they've got a series of different um, lithium plays as well um, I think in Europe you're probably familiar with the the, the ones at um, in Eastern Europe, but uh, they've got a they've got a lithium play in the uh, in South America and also one in the U.S. at, the, at, a, at their sort of boron facility. All of these are going to be uh, important uh, 
considerations for us as we as we move things forward. To be honest with you, I was expecting a deal of this kind of nature for Nano One. I just wasn't expecting it from the mining industry. It was more I was expecting it from yeah. possibly from one of the big uh, automotive organizations. But it does. I guess it does make sense based on what we were talking about in our previous podcast with you, because at the end of the day, big mining companies like this have to be thinking about how they're going to be deploying that product that they're actually taking out of the ground, how that's going to work in practice and how they're going to make that uh, applicable to the, the new energy economy that's emerging. A big part of this is, is, is real wanting you know, access to the know-how and the knowledge um, without really going that far downstream. So supporting you know, a potential customer, a potential partner in the future is a, is a big part of their strategy um, looking at this as they, as they dip their feet into, into the various battery materials. Um, we, we've come with a solution that actually provides them a bridge um, from, let's say, iron powders going into internal combustion engines to iron powders going into lithium-ion batteries. And that bridge is is really important for them as as the uh, as the whole sort of EV evolution as the net zero sort of movement um, changes what their products are being used and it's going to be it's it's going to be very important for them to have that kind of flexibility in their uh, uh, in their supply chain. And there has been historically for Nano One, you've had a lot of support from uh, the Canadian government, provincial governments, and also continuing um, support. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how important that has been for the company and also how Nano One itself fits into the wider sort of Canadian green energy strategy as well. We have had support both from the provincial and from the federal level um, for quite some years. And uh, that has largely been about the development of a of, of our of a sustainable green tech green green clean technology for uh, you know pushing the, the the battery our battery business forward. What's what's it's what's kind of interesting is is how things have changed. You've seen it in the UK and and and, and every other jurisdiction around the world. Governments are scrambling to bring the uh, really the battery supply chain home in some way, uh, as we've seen the collapse of of really the the global sort of economic supply chain. And we've seen, uh, I think, many nations realizing, particularly in the last six months, that uh, the, the, globe, the secure supply of these raw materials are going to be critical uh, to the transition to net zero electric vehicle um, um, type of work. The governments are investing heavily in that, trying to attract, let's say, anchor investors into the into the country, be it the big automotive companies or the or big chemical companies or big miners. And and we've seen that uh, very actively in Canada in the last three, four or five months. We've seen a, a number of really large announcements bringing some of these key players into into Canada. And and we see those as opportunities, um, be, it the, be it the automotives or be it the chemical companies or, or or, or even some of the, the big mining activities are going to be happening in Canada. Every one of those is opportunities for us because our technology can help them differentiate um, on an environmental level, on a scale level, and uh, and obviously on a, on a cost and performance level. And so, so we can we see opportunities with almost every one of them to be partners, uh, technology partners, and helping them scale up uh, to meet the demand for the sort of the terawatt hour of uh, of lithium ion batteries um, to scale from hundreds of thousands to you know uh, millions and, and tens of millions of tons of cathode materials uh, to meet that demand. They're uh, and 
and Canada's very well poised for that. We've got the, you know, the, the green, clean hydroelectric energy uh, to support the uh, the manufacturing base, and um, and we've got a lot of the, the mining uh, and and uh, refining know how um, here in Canada, and that's what Rio Tinto brings to the table. It's it's uh, tremendous. I've been to their facility in Sorrel, uh, where they're uh, it's, it's it's just this, it, it is a truly a a massive uh, facility. It's been around for seventy plus years. And uh, and still go, it's still a going concern. They're still they're still driving new technological change there, and that um, that to us is very exciting um, to get for for this for the world to get to you know all electric vehicles. Um, the supply chain has to move has to grow up from as I say hundreds of thousands of tons to millions or tens of millions of tons. That scale up it's not easy. And it's, it requires um, the know-how, the deep know-how that companies like Rio Tinto have in in working in the millions of tons range. Um, they know how to do that. They know they know what kind of technologies work for that. And so we recognize that there's a great opportunity there. Nano One is in a very unique position. We're able to, we believe, we can scale. We can provide the platform to scale up to those kinds of uh, those kinds of tonnages, those kinds of volumes with our technology. We're in a unique place to do that. And now with Rio Tinto, we bring all this know-how um, uh, along with it. And then one small, you know, we don't we don't have the experience. Uh, Rio Tinto's, you know, this facilities. Most of the people we talk to have been working there for 16, 20 years, and they're and they're still innovators. Um, they still think uh, very much in an innovative way, and uh, we very much look forward to sort of bringing that into our wheelhouse um, uh, through this partnership. I know there's not an awful lot you can talk about in terms of future plans, and I know there's partnerships that you're not really allowed to go into any detail on, but can you give listeners a little bit uh, of flavor about next steps with the company in, in, the, wake of this, in the wake of this deal? Well, listen, if we take the Rio Tinto and the... Um, uh, and the Johnson Matthew deal, you know, there's a lot of dust to settle and figure out. Um, uh, we don't, uh, we, the acquisition of the Johnson Matthew facility won't, uh, close for probably another six months. Um, mostly because Johnson Matthew have obligations that they have to fulfill. So part of the deal was giving them the time, uh, and the, uh, to finish their obligations before they handed off the, the, the plant to us. But I'm here in Montreal today and um, I'm going to be spending time with uh, a number of the uh, employees there, working through the transition plan. How do we how do we get to take over, um, and and what happens after after we take over the facility? We will be converting it to one the one pot process is the is really the ambition, and really the idea there is to drive down the cost of making lithium iron phosphate, uh, with the support of of now of, of Rio Tinto. Uh, we we think that uh, that'll help really accelerate the. the the whole underlying process. So, look, we've got a lot of work to do uh, on on all the on all fronts. But super excited about it because we're you know we we can now talk about it and talk about the the, the you know the people and the and the groups we're working with. Uh, we continue to to um, collaborate with automotive companies and with chemical companies. We haven't talked about the BASF deal that we had last week, um, and that uh, obviously BASF is one of the world's largest chemical companies as well. And so we have a joint development agreement with them, uh, much like we did with Johnson Matthey, but it's with their brand and flavor of cathode materials, and they, they uh, were looking to develop um, their materials using our process. Again, all of it's to drive down costs, eliminate waste, uh, improve the environmental footprint, 
and reduce the complexity of making cathode materials and ready it for the terawatt hour world. How do we get to these kind of scales? Um, um, and one of the only ways to do this is we've got to get rid of the byproducts and the, and the, and the, and the waste streams that are in the supply chain if we're going to get up to those kind of scales. And uh, our technology can do that. And that's one of the reasons that companies like BSF and Rio Tinto are, are interested in working with us. Well, that's great that you're getting getting some uh, interest from such major players now. It holds out great prospects for Nano One in the years ahead. Indeed, indeed, and and uh, and there's more to come. Um, you know, as I said, we're, we, we I think everyone on your podcast knows we've been working with various OEMs, uh, automotive at the you know, automotive level, and we continue to 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 work with them there as they figure out their plans. Look, ours is a next generation technology, and and it's and it's in the supply chain. It's not. Uh, we're not aiming to just put materials in batteries today, um, because uh, we're aiming. We're trying to make this new generation of materials that are are going to be you know cleaner, greener, faster, cheaper kind of uh, kind of concept. But the uh, and that's that's why these deals and these um, I think these collaborations with the auto companies they take time to develop because they have to come to. Uh, uh, you know, comfort level with our technology um, uh, t- in order to back it and scale it. The Johnson Matthew deal and the Rio Tinto deal will bring a tremendous amount of credibility. Uh, and we already know it's already bringing credibility to the table with these big auto codes. And the backing of the Canadian government um, has uh, has been a really uh, a big part of that as well, because they're talking to the the big auto codes and the big chemical companies to try and bring them together. So they're they're playing matchmaker and trying to trying to how do we take this big company and and, and get them involved with Nano One uh, um, here in Canada and to drive a, a drive a you know a supply chain that takes you from mines all the way through to mobility. Uh, that sounds fantastic. It sounds like you've got an extremely busy rest of the summer as well. Um, so I wish wish you all the best with that and uh, hope to catch up with you again on the podcast um, further down the line when we've got some more news to discuss. Great. Um, always good to um, talk with you, Stuart, and really appreciate uh, being here with your audience. Thank you. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.